Hello and welcome. It's Monday and it's Motivational Monday by Jim and Lucy. Today we are motivated to start this week the right way. And we have a special guest for you who will tell you a lot about overgiver syndrome. What is it? Uh -oh, what stop. you got to do with it? Oh, you got to stop. I can't wait to have this lady on. She is so good. Okay, you're going to introduce her. Yes, I am. Natalie Faymore. Feynman. Feynman. I was close. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> that's good hello natalie how are you doing today i'm great thank you and thank you so much for having me on your show it's a pleasure thank you for joining us so tell yeah. us more about i mean we hear a lot of the standard phrases about i don't know imposter syndrome overwork time management all this stuff about productivity and going through our challenges daily weekly monthly so tell us more about overgiver syndrome because we don't hear much about it uh, I'm surprised, actually, because this is a really common thing. So overgiver syndrome is what happens when you spend so much of your time and energy dedicated to taking care of other people that you you don't have anything left over for yourself. And a lot of a lot of times this is women because we are practically raised from birth to be caretakers of other people. Mm -hmm. We're taught to put everyone else's needs ahead of our own to the point where like if we take five minutes for ourselves, we feel like we're being selfish. We feel guilty. And, and over time, over years and decades of living this way, our entire identity gets tied up and defined by what we can do for other people. So for example, we may think of ourselves as a wife or a mother or a teacher or a nurse or whatever it is. But eventually there comes a time in our lives where the kids grow up and move away or the spouse might pass away, or there may be a divorce, uh, we could retire or lose our job. And, and if we have spent so many years and decades defining our identity by those things, when it's not there anymore, it leaves a huge void in, in our lives. And a lot of people have actually forgotten what their dreams were, what their inspiration for their own lives might've been at some point. And they just, they, they get to this point and they just feel lost. They feel disconnected and they just, they don't know uh, where to turn from there. And so that's, that's what I mean by overgiver syndrome. When you give too much of yourself, when you don't take care of yourself and it just, it just drains you and, and just kind of leaves you in a place feeling lost and disconnected. Mm. It is a huge problem. So Natalie, when we think about women specifically uh overgiver syndrome yes it is common you are correct we're raised that way even now yeah. i mean centuries away from where we just limited by household uh still we deal with it what is the point and what is the percentage of women you think recognize that there is a problem that we need to fix well, too often it's not until it reaches a crisis point. Like I said, when the kids move away or when they lose their job or retire or the marriage breaks up or the spouse passes away, when whatever that thing is that they've defined themselves as is no longer a part of their lives. Because it, it, this is something that happens slowly over time. And we, um, we don't often recognize that it's happening or maybe in the back of our minds, we recognize that, you know, I, I'm really not taking enough time for myself, but I'll, 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 this is more important. You know, taking care of my husband right now is more important. I'll have time for me someday. And then we keep putting it off and putting it off. And before you know it, years and decades have gone by 
and we don't remember who we are anymore. So unfortunately, too often, it's when it gets to that crisis of identity point that people kind of take a step back and realize, I don't remember who I am anymore. Well, that's, it makes me feel sad that yeah. that is the case. I mean, because you have these people who have a, a lifetime of hopes and dreams and wishes, and desires to be more meaningful in their life. I mean, it doesn't mean they don't love people that they're caring for or other things, but you know, it, I, I, how can, I mean, I'm really serious about this. How, there has been urgency to this, to helping these people. Absolutely. And to me, the first step is, is really communicating that taking time for yourself is not selfish. It is, it is required. You, you cannot pour from an empty vessel. I know you, you've heard this cliche a million times, but you can't keep pouring all your time, all your energy, all, all of your love and compassion into other people and not keep some back for yourself. Because we, we like to tell ourselves a story about how, oh, I don't need rest. I don't need to recover. Yes. You know, my, my needs are less important than, than the person in front of me, whether that's my child, my husband, my boss, my coworkers, whatever it is. But the truth is you can't keep running on fumes indefinitely because eventually there will be consequences. And it's really sad when people, um, you know, people create these, these chronic health conditions because they're not taking care of themselves and they find themselves either disabled or prematurely dead because they never took the time to take care of themselves. And now those people who they love so much, those people who depended so much on them to take care of them, now they have to figure out how to go on uh, without that person. And to me, that is that is the real tragedy. That's a lot to think about. <laughs> it, it is. So I, I don't mean to interject, honey, but, but I'm just curious. All of our lives, we're told not to be selfish. Even as kids, pick the smaller cookie. And everybody wants to pick the bigger deal. <laughs> so how do people get that out of their mind and, and think realize that it's okay because I have to take care of myself before I can take care of anybody else? Exactly. It's just, you know, the airlines tell you, put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on the person next to you. You can't help anyone else if you are incapacitated, if you are exhausted, if you're burned out and frustrated and pissed off at the world because you're not getting back what you are investing in other people. And those people that you love so much that, that are so deserving of your time and your compassion and your attention, they don't need the exhausted, cranky, frustrated, burned out version of you. They need the version of you that is able to show up with love, with, with compassion for themselves as well as for the people around them, fully energized and fully able to be present when they're needed. So, so what are the signs, Natalie, what are the signs that we need to pay attention to uh, to recognize those patterns that are actually overgiver syndrome that most people don't recognize till it's too late? Yeah, a lot of times the dead giveaway is feeling frustration or resentment or when you find that you are kind of losing compassion for the situation of the people around you because this, this is a dead giveaway that you're investing too much of your emotional energy and not getting back what, what you need for yourself. 
So it goes from this, this caretaker uh, role to feeling like a victim because you're giving, 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 you're, you're running around trying to take care of everybody else and nobody is doing it for you and you don't have the energy anymore to do it for yourself. I'm pretty sure 99% of our listeners, women, right now sitting and thinking, that's about me. <laughs> Absolutely. It is so pervasive. And, and I'm sure it's not just in the United States, but um, you know, I, I don't know of a culture where this isn't an issue. Nor do I. Now, on your website, you mentioned about life paralysis. And this sounds like something that would be in that case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because we fall into these behavior patterns and we get so entrenched and so accustomed to it that we we don't really see that there is any kind of an alternative. We start feeling trapped in these patterns or we feel enslaved to the needs of the people around us. And then we tell ourselves, well, why, you know, it's, it's, it's selfish of me to, to feel any kind of guilt when this person needs me to be there for them. How can I take time for myself when, when that just, it feels selfish and you're absolutely right. The messaging from society is that it is selfish to take care of ourselves, especially as women. But, um, I I don't think it takes a huge leap of logic to realize that you, you can't run your car on an empty gas tank for very long. You know, you're, you're going to run out of gas. If you let the oil dry out, the engine's going to seize up and then the car is no good to you. If you want that car to last you for, for uh, you know, 10 or, or 10 years or longer, you have to take care of it. You have to make sure that it has everything that it needs so that it can serve you in the way that you need it to. And it's the same for us. You have to make sure that you have the energy and that you're healthy enough emotionally and physically to be able to serve the people that you love in the capacity that they need you for as long as possible. Cause you're not doing them any good. If you drop dead prematurely from a heart attack or you have a stroke because you gave yourself high blood pressure and now they have to take care of you and you've spent your whole life making sure that they didn't have to take care of themselves. So they may not even have the skills to be able to do that. That's, that's one of the other things is we, we, we don't like to see people struggling and so our instinct is to swoop in and, and help and fix and, and save people so that their, their life is easy. But we are actually depriving them of the opportunity of learning how to do some of these things for themselves. And sometimes that takes stepping back and watching people struggle and fumble a little bit. And that is supremely uncomfortable, especially for people who have really strong maternal instincts. And I don't have kids, but I, I recognize that same tendency in myself especially when I'm at work, if somebody's struggling, I feel like I, I, I feel compelled. I have to drop what I'm doing and go help them. But at the end of the day, I've spent so much time helping everybody else. I haven't gotten my own work done. And then I get to watch everybody skip out the back door at 530. And then I'm still here for two, three hours past the end of my workday, trying to finish up what I was supposed to be doing all along. Well, Natalie, your work is impressive. And the main reason is to me, if someone, especially women, reach out to a consultant or to their family members uh, for advice in the situation like this, when they feel almost burned out or unappreciated, underappreciated, uh, the advice will be like radical. It's either calm down, you have to settle and keep doing it or break through and get away from the situation. And you give completely different approach. You provide support to create new habits. So 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry, say again? Tell me more about the process, please. Okay, so the process, first of all, it starts with your own emotional awareness. And so what, what I mean by that is realizing when you recognize that you're feeling those, those feelings of resentment or frustration or feeling like you're not getting back what you've invested in other people, that comes down to that, that, is, that is not unconditional love. If you are taking care of your kids, you're not expecting them to give you back anything in return, at least not for you know, a few decades but if, if, you're, if you're taking care of and you're investing so much of yourself in somebody else and you're feeling frustrated because you're not getting it back, it's because you have an expectation that makes that relationship transactional. That is not um, unconditional. So it starts with making sure that whatever you give to other people, you have no expectations of anything in return because you feel fulfilled by the very act of giving. And if you don't feel that, it's time to reevaluate if that's a relationship that you want to keep investing so much of your energy into. Um, a lot of it, again, it comes down to realizing that it doesn't make any sense to feel guilty about taking care of yourself because it is necessary. If you wish to continue taking care of other people, you must take care of yourself or you're, you're not going to live as long as you could. It's, it's plain and simple. Yeah. Um, wearing yourself out, ignoring your needs, depriving yourself of sleep, depriving yourself of, of exercise and, and recovery, mental recovery and, and, and proper nutrition, these things have consequences. And if you want to have longevity and if you want to take care of the people you love for as long as you possibly can, it has to start with taking care of yourself. And I don't think that anyone's loved ones would be uh, would feel cheated by that. Taking care of yourself is a gift that you give to other people as well as to yourself. Um, so also part of the process is just recognizing when we have these, these thought and behavior patterns that we've created over time that keep us feeling trapped in these destructive um, energy and, and emotional loops. So for example, using this, this whole concept of the overgiver syndrome, um, and using myself as an example, when I, when I feel this compulsion to, to help people, to drop what I'm doing, to run off and save people and, and, and make sure that they're not struggling, I'm, I'm basically taking on my responsibilities and their responsibilities too. I am, I am making it possible for them to not have to improve, to not have to learn new skills, to not have to take initiative for themselves. That becomes a life sentence for me because now I have to do my job and everybody else's job too. So it's, you know, I, I look at my relationship with my coworkers very similarly to a parent-child relationship. My job is not to make sure that you never fall down. My job is to let you struggle so that you can learn, so that you can improve. I'm here if there's an emergency, but I'm not, I'm not helping other people by enabling them to not have to take care of themselves, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So realizing that a lot of the, the, the rules that we set up for ourselves are, they're, they're not helpful. They are creating a lot of our stress and they are contributing to making us feel trapped in the situations that are so emotionally draining to ourselves. This is well said. I can see why you're highly impactful in your work. And I hope that your calendar is full 
<laughs> speaking engagements. I mean that sincerely because I can I had never really thought about this until you brought it up. And I'm I feel bad that I did not because then well, I can see how this is really important. That is a good point you bring up because when we feel guilty about setting boundaries for ourselves, it's other people have no idea that you have boundaries, that you have limits, that you have needs until you tell them. If they ask you for something and the answer is always yes, they don't think twice about continuing to ask for things. It is only when you start saying, no, I'm sorry, I can't, that people take a step back and realize, oh, okay, well, I guess, you know, I need to make sure that she's taking care of herself too. But if, yes. if, if you always, if your default answer is always yes, then people don't think twice about continuing to ask for more and more and more things. It's not someone else's job to know what your limits are. It's your job to let them know. And that is, mm -hmm. that is a, a barrier that so many people find themselves unable to cross because they're so worried about, oh, what are they going to think of me if I say no? Well, first of all, they're going to have respect for you. And nobody respects a doormat if the answer is always yes people don't realize that when you start saying no, people actually respect you more. It's kind of a ironic uh, situation, but it's the truth. If the answer is always yes, then people, people just assume that the answer is always going to be yes and they don't have any respect for your limitations. Absolutely. So our dear listeners, it's Natalie Feynman, a go book session with her. It's nolimitcoachingnow.com. You can find a link to her website in the description to this episode. Natalie, before we go, what will be some exercise or activity that our listeners can do this week in order to st start that shift? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually do have an exercise that I guide people through when they're kind of in that situation where they've lost touch with, with who they used to be. Um, the first step is to ask yourself how you've been identifying yourself up until today, a wife, a mother, a teacher, a nurse, whatever, whatever that is. That does not define you, but ask yourself, what are the personal qualities that you have that make you really good at, at doing that? And so that is the beginning of reconnecting yourself with, with who you really are at the core of your being. The second step is when you think back to some of the worst times in your life, some of the hardest things that you've ever had to go through, when you, when you look back at those moments, what was it about you that enabled you to get through it and survive and get stronger and get better? And then to think back when you were a child, when life was just full of adventure and you were just so full of optimism and enthusiasm, what were the things that you used to get excited about? What were the things that you would just love to do so much that you would lose track of time when doing it? And why is that no longer a part of your life today? And how can you start to reintroduce that? Because whatever used to inspire you when you were a child, very likely there's still something that you can do as an adult that is just as compelling, just as inspirational. And believe it or not, when, when people think of how to allow themselves mental and emotional recovery time, sleep is not enough. Your brain needs to have fun in order to fully recover from, from stressful and, and, and tiring obstacles that you deal with on a daily basis. So reintroducing fun back into your life and not feeling guilty about it is a huge part of reconnecting with that original essence of who you are. 
That's very important message. And listen, our dear listeners, please work with Natalie because the change is right here and you're one click away from getting that essential help. I, I like the way you introduce the topic, the suggestions you give. And for me personally, I don't think I have that problem, but it makes me have a great deal of compassion for people that might have a problem. And uh, I thank you very much for being our guest today. Thank you so much. And I'm glad that you pointed that out because if, if your listeners, if, if they themselves do not feel like they are an overgiver, then there's probably somebody in their life who's taking care of them who is. So thank have you. compassion for those people as well. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.